Thank you for listening to the Grace Church Podcast, where you can find teachings, Bible studies, and words of encouragement for any season. For more resources, you can go to graceorlando.com. Okay, we're going to be ending our series on the forgiveness that you never knew that you had. And what we're going to be talking about for number seven this week is that you are forgiven to be a giver. So scripturally, we want a foundation for the basis of grace, which is freely given, okay? And so in this scripture, in Matthew 10, 8, it says, as you have freely received, freely give. See, you can't be empowered to be a giver until you know how much you've been given and how much you've been given is exceedingly above and beyond all we could ask God for. There's so much more than that. And so anyways, when we look at these scriptures and it talks about receive freely, it's Lambano Dorian. Okay. And Lambano means to be amazed at a gift and receive it. And Dorian means it, it's by no cause of your own. So as we freely receive that, now we're empowered to give it away. Uh, There's a scripture in Proverbs and it says that if your enemy is hungry, it's your enemy, mind you, this isn't just another person. This is, this is your enemy. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will heap coals of fire upon his head and the Lord shall reward you. So think about this. There's something about when there's a person that's hurt us and we give them grace and they don't deserve it, that it changes their heart and it wins them over. I mean, just think about a person that maybe you've hurt very badly and you were in a, in a, in a bad place and that person came to your aid and never brought up what, what you did to them, but they gave you something that helped you out of that pit. You would be forever thankful, you know? And it, what's really interesting, the scripture says that you will keep coals of fire upon their head and the Lord shall reward you. I remember when I was uh, studying uh, in this study Bible and the commentary said that you'll heap shame and guilt on them. And it was funny, and so I believed that, and I thought, but deep down I thought, okay, we're going to do good on him, then we're going to make him feel ashamed and guilty. That just didn't set right for me. And I went uh, later on as I learned the Hebrew, I went back, and it's two words. It's rosh esh, fire on the head, rosh esh. And if you put that word together, it's the, the Hebrew word ashar, which means blessing that you heap a blessing upon your head and the Lord shall reward you. Man, that's so beautiful uh, passage of scripture. I would suggest go back and study that on your own that you could get your own personal revelation of that as well. So in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, what we're gonna look at is the price that was paid. Always remember this, people are willing to pay a price of whatever it is that's worth it to them. So if I was gonna go out and buy a pair of new Air Jordans and they were $180, if I gave and exchanged that money, what I'm saying is those shoes are worth the $180 that I'm giving it. So think about God the Father gave his only begotten son because he looked at us and he says, they are worth it. That's the type of value you have. Matter of fact, people that know they're valued don't live in destructive lifestyles, but people that even know they're born again and they're living in destructive lifestyles, it's because they have not come to a revelation yet and a growing in that revelation of how valuable they they really are because how could you destroy something that's valuable? 
if I had this really prized possession, okay, that I paid all this money for and that I put it in a case and protected it from anything getting to it, okay, and I treated it like it was worth something, why would I turn around and destroy it? But when people don't know how valuable they are, number one, they don't value other people, and number two, they live in destructive lifestyles, okay? So the more that we build up value in people is the more that they'll live a life like they're valued. And so it says this, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet he became poor for your sake, so that you, for, that you through his poverty might become rich. So I want you to get this picture for a second. It says he became poor. This is the Hebrew word, tokio, uh, and it literally means to be an indigent beggar. I want you to think about this for a minute. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, hung naked on a cross and became an indigent beggar in our place so that we could be elevated up and shown how much worth we have to God. He took our place because we were all indigent beggars. We had nothing within ourselves to be able to redeem ourselves, but the only one who could redeem and had the value within themselves to do it, he took our place as an indigent beggar so that we could be put up at a place of being rich, which means we have value. And the value we have is determined by the price that was paid. And Jesus's value is greater than everything in the universe. He is the prized possession of heaven. He is all the worth of everything that we could ever know or ever dream or imagine. Jesus is that. And he took our place so that we could take his place. He became poor so that we could become rich and knowing the value that we have and live out of knowing we're valued to live a lifestyle that would glorify God. What's really interesting is I look at our country today. It's the world in general, but I'm just going to focus on our country. And we lack respect for one another. I mean, it's all over the place. People don't respect anybody or anything anymore. And this is just my daily observation as I go out into the world and I look and see what's going on out there. Not that there's not some good going on, because I know there is, but people just don't respect one another. And it, why do you think that is? Because they don't understand the value that they have, so they can't understand the value that the other person has. If we all understood the value that we have, we would treat people different. Listen to this, and then I'm gonna break down uh, the word for respect in Hebrew. So this is from Brennan Manning. He is an amazing writer. He was an amazing man of God, and he had a touch on grace that not many people get. It's like he had his own thing. He wasn't just repeating what he heard other people say. He had his own thing. And listen to these quote. Quite simply, our deep gratitude to Jesus Christ is manifested neither, neither in being chaste, honest, sober and respectable, nor in church-going, Bible-toting, psalm-singing, but in our deep and delicate respect for one another. Not that all those other things aren't important, but if you've got all those things, but you don't respect one another, you have nothing. Like Paul says, you're like a clanging cymbal if you've got these things, but you don't have love. And love and respect are hand in hand. So think about this. Let's look how God sees things because we, it doesn't matter how we see them. It matters how God's seeing them. And then us start to see things the way God does. 
And so the Hebrew word for respect is sha'ah, and it's a shin, an ayin, and a hey. Shin by itself always refers to shaddai, like El Shaddai. Shaddai is a picture of the feminine person of God, and it's a nurturing. And ayin is a picture of an eye which sees, and hey is a picture of grace. So God says respect is that he, as the all-nurturing one, sees us through the lens of grace. We want to be able to see how God sees. We want to be able to see people through the lens of grace. It's so easy to be pass judgment on people and to devalue them because of something that they've done. But always remember this, just because we do a thing, it doesn't make us that thing. We are still in Christ and that is our identity and we are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ apart from our works and that never changes. That's why when it talked about a man looking at his brother and he has a plank in his eye, that plank represents wood, that wood represents flesh and other in other words, they had a fleshly view of that person, therefore they were judging them. Well, let's change that around and start to see the way God does, and he is the all-nurturing one that sees through the lens of grace. Lord, help us to see each other through the lens of grace. Help us to see the price that was paid for each one of us, that we can live out a life of respect for one another. See, when you understand that you've been completely forgiven, you'll be a giver of respect because even anything somebody else has done that you don't agree with, it was forgiven on their behalf too. So let's not look through that lens. Let's look through the lens of grace, seeing them for who they really are and how God sees them. God sees us so valuable that he gave up his only son for us. Let's see through that lens so that we may respect one another. There's another scripture I wanted to talk to you about, and that was 2 Corinthians 9, 7. And it says, Every man according as he is purposed in his heart, so let him give, not begrudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, let's, let's explain this for a second because this can get confusing. For God loves a cheerful giver. So, are you, so is it saying that when you're a giver, then God loves you? That's not what it's saying because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He already loved us. No, what he's saying is when the work of what his son has done and completely forgiving our sins and makes us generous givers, when God sees that, ma that manifestation of what Jesus did working in us and through us, he loves to see that. But it doesn't mean he loves you more or less whether you give or not but he loves that that process has taken place in us and that giving comes out and it glorifies Jesus that's what the father loves to see and so what's really interesting it says not begrudgingly or out of necessity Okay, now that's interesting because I looked that up in the Greek and grudgingly and necessity is one word and it's anaki. And ana means to reverse and gaki literally means a bent arm. In other words, reverse from your self-effort. Don't let your self-effort be part of your giving. But what is purposed in your heart of what he's done for us that we didn't deserve, we freely give away to others who don't deserve it. Amen? Okay, now... Another thing, the law can tell you not to do something, but it can't empower you to do the very thing it's telling you not to do. 
okay? So or let me rephrase that. If it says thou shall not steal, okay, it can tell you thou shall not steal, but it doesn't empower you not to steal. That's the law. But what does grace do? Look at this, Ephesians 4, 28. Let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that has needs. Okay, so let's talk about the heart of the, of the matter. If somebody is stealing, it's because deep down they don't trust God as their provider. They don't trust that God's going to take care of them. And me being a thief uh, for well over two decades, okay, um, especially with 15 years of a drug addiction where I had to steal because the drug addiction was so expensive, I had to steal almost every day just to support my habit. And I, I was a thief through and through. Something happened, though. After I went into discipleship, I was there, uh, and this was in the first year, and uh, I was basically wearing all hand-me-down clothes. I didn't have new anything from shirts, pants, underwear, socks, shoes. It was all hand-me-downs that I was wearing. I didn't have any new clothes. I remember one day I got this letter, and it was from my mom, and I was like, me and my mom only talk on the phone. You know, you, you get like 15 minutes, you know, a week to talk on, you know, to talk on the phone with a collect call. That's when they had pay phones back in those days. It's how long ago that was. Yeah. And so anyways, what ended up happening is I was like, oh, well, I opened up. It was a cashier's check for $1,500. That was more money than I had seen in a really long time. And it was freely given to me. Matter of fact, the pastor that prayed for me at my mom's church that she went to him and his wife instead of giving it to their to kenya you know for their missionary uh trip they decided to give it to me that i was their missionary trip wow there's something about when you give that instills value in people because the very thing that you give them makes them feel like they have value and something happened to me at that moment where I could feel that I could trust God to take care of me. I wasn't there before that, but when that happened, I felt like God could take care of me. And ever since then, I've had that, be, that ability because of what somebody did by giving something to me and I knowing it was from God, now I had an ability to trust God in that area of my life. And what did I do with it? There were so many people that were in the program because we we're from the streets and, you know, broken homes and all this different stuff. I gave away every cent to people that had nothing. That was the response. I had freely received. I know I didn't deserve it. I couldn't have done enough work for it. I did nothing for it, but I freely received it. And out of it, it turned me into a generous person giving to those who were in need. That scripture, Ephesians 4.28, that is a real life scripture. I've lived it and I know it's real. And, you know, a lot of times we don't realize what God's done in our life. But in this instance, I did realize that. And let me tell you, we're going to pray for a couple of things. Number one, we're going to pray. There, I believe there's people listening to this and they, you've even been listening to some grace messages, but you still haven't had what you know and what, and what you need to experience to come together as one so you can live out of that truth. Number one. Let's pray for that right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, let every person under the sound of my voice 
that they would know how valuable that they are to you and not only would they see themselves like that that they would see others like that so that they could be givers as well and lord for those that are having an issue of trusting you I, my issue was with uh giving um but uh, whatever it is that that they should be giving but they can't they find themselves not able to i pray that you would do some miracle working power in their life that they would see that you are their provider for whatever it is that they need so that they would be able to receive it and they would be able to freely give it away there's people that you're going through things right now and i want to encourage you you're going through a dark time right now and the truth of the matter is you might have even given up hope but you just had enough just to get up and to listen to what I'm talking about today and I'm here to tell you that God is not just going to turn that around together for your good he's going to give you a ministry based on what you've been through that you didn't feel like you didn't have that you have now and you're going to be able to be a giver in that area and change people's hearts toward God for the very thing that you went through that they're going through at this time so be encouraged God God is for you. He's with you. He's working it out together for the good. And he's going to bring something so amazing out of this. He's going to give you so much out of it that it's going to overflow and it's going to roll over onto the people that are around you. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.